Good morning, church. Good morning. It's great to see so many of you out. If you all want to stand to your feet, we're going to start our service with some praise and worship. i 
give you a warm welcome in the name of the Lord to our service this morning. And at this part of our service is where we come to remember the Lord Jesus. It's for those who are believers and you'll see a small communion cup in front of you. And if you're not a believer this morning, then please just leave it. Don't be feeling embarrassed. 
This is what God has commanded us as believers to do, to remember him. Last week, the week which has just passed, we were reminded of human sacrifice, of war. Personally for me, as I stood at the cenotaph last Sunday and the term, lest we forget, was mentioned, I wondered where it came from. For me personally, the cenotaph is a very poignant place. Um, my stepdad, before he died, left me his Northern Ireland service medal. And he said to me, I want you to promise me that each Remembrance Sunday that you will go to the cenotaph and remember those who died for us. But when I looked through the scripture, I found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, and Moses writes these words, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery the context of Deuteronomy chapter 6 Moses is instructing the Israelites as God's chosen people the importance of remembering where they have come from and to teach their offspring and future generations of their history and so it is when we come to the Lord's table and look at the emblems before us, we can reverently say, lest we forget the Lord Jesus. We need to teach our offspring the importance of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross for each of us. The term, lest we forget, means it should not be forgotten. And this is a reason as we come to the remembrance table that we will never forget the Lord's death until he returns or calls us home. An old hymn entitled Lead Me to Calvary was written in 1921 by Jenny Evelyn Hussey. And it offers these following words. Lead me to Calvary. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. Lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary. Show me the tomb where thou wast led, tenderly mourned and wept. Angels in robes of light arrayed guarded thee whilst thou slept. Let me, like Mary, through the gloom, come with a gift to thee. Show to me now the empty tomb. Lead me to Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. May I be willing, Lord, to bear daily my cross for thee. Even thy cup of grief to share, thou hast borne all for me. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. Lead me to Calvary. Paul pens these words in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you this morning for the freedom of being able to come to your remembrance table. We thank you for this piece of bread that reminds us of your broken body, that you laid down all for us. We return on to you all the thanks. continues in verse 25 and 26 in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes 
Father, we thank you for the juice that reminds us of your blood. We thank you for the sacrifice that you paid that we may live. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we can partake of these ambulance in remembrance of you. Amen. Father, we thank you for the freedom to gather in this place to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for race. We pray, Father, that you would anoint him by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for the congregation which is here. We thank you for those that are visiting with us this morning. We pray, Father, that if there be one man or one woman in this place today, that today would be the day where they would repent, that today would be the day where they would reflect just as I did at the cenotaph, where they would reflect and look at this remembrance table and remind them of the love and the sacrifice that you laid down that they may live. Father, we return on to you all the glory in your name. Amen. Church, if you want to stand, it's probably most appropriate as Darren has shared about remembering and leaving. As we all forget that the song starts with the first line, I cast my mind to Calvary. We're going to stand, we're going to worship in that attitude of remembrance of what Christ has done and how he has freed us.
Thank you to Darren as well for leading us around the table. Uh, church, just a few things I want to make you aware of before we come to the word. Um, our accounts for 2021, so the calendar uh, year last year, the, our accounts for last year are available if you would like uh, to see those and there's copies of them uh, on, the, on the info desk in the foyer there. If you have any questions, then you can see Paula Picking, who's our administrator and our treasurer. So all of our accounts are um, they're independently uh, looked at and assessed. So um, yeah, if you, if you want one of those, they're available to you. Um, it's a random one, parking. Um, parking outside the church. Uh, we've had some of the neighbours have just asked us if we could um, politely ask the church when you're parking, if you're parking outside the gates and stuff, just please be mindful of not parking across people's driveways, blocking entrances to streets, um, things like that. We know some people like to park out there, maybe to get a quick getaway, because I know church is getting busier, but we do have nearly 80 spaces available in the grounds too, so um, we ask you to use those, and then just again, please be mindful um, of the neighbours around the church. We have a great relationship um, with our close neighbours and we would like to maintain that so yeah we would appreciate um, we would appreciate that thank you church on Tuesday night we have our missions prayer meeting so it is at 7:30 p.m. Um, and it's led by Michael Totten who isn't here he is unwell at the minute but um, all we will have a meeting on Tuesday night uh, regardless if it's not the missions prayer meeting then we'll we'll gather to pray anyway but yes Tuesday night at 7:30 p.m. we encourage you to come along to that Next Sunday, um, we celebrate, we mark the 15th anniversary of Living Hope Belfast. Um, so Pastor Matt is going to be sharing in the morning and I'm going to be sharing in the evening. And we encourage you to, to come along to that because it's going to be a great day as we reflect on what God has done and look ahead to what we believe God is going to do. And obviously give thanks for what he is doing now in our church in Living Hope Belfast. And finally then... Um, um, prayer ministry if you would like um, prayer if you would like to receive prayer if there's anything um, that you would like prayer for then we have a team who are available for you after the service in the morning and in the evening you'll just see them in the foyer they'll have a little lanyard on that'll say prayer team and we encourage you to make use of them um, if that applies to you so church we're carrying on with our with our series 
um, in, the, in the book of Matthew. And the last few weeks we've been looking at an aspect of the Sermon on the Mount, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, and that is the Beatitudes. So today we bring that to a conclusion. And we're going to begin just by reading again um, all 12 of those verses there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. So those uh, verses will come up on the screen as we read together the Sermon on the Mount. I seeing the crowds, he went up, sorry, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Church, let's pray as we begin to study God's word. Lord, we thank you for Matthew. We thank you, Lord, for all that it has already taught us. And Lord, we pray that today, as we would look into these verses just a little bit deeper, God, we pray that we would... We would get to know you better, God, that we would get to know your word better and more intimately, God. We pray, Lord, that today as we would as we would begin to study this, Lord, we pray that you would change us, that you would shape us. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom to preach it here, to study it here. And Lord, we give you thanks for all that you're sharing with us through this series, God. Thank you for all that you're doing here and now. And we pray today, God, that as we would look to this, God, would we see you? Would our eyes be fixed on you? It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So we're looking at the final four verses there. Um, we covered the rest of them in the first two parts again. If, uh, if you weren't here for that, then those parts are on YouTube as well. But we're going to be looking at the final four verses there. Beginning with this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Church, the Greek word translated peacemaker it's, it's used in only one other place in the New Testament. And, and it's used in a slightly different form um, in, in the other place that it's used in a verse in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of his cross. Church, what's important to, to remember, what's important to share every single time that we gather, every time that we meet around God's word, is this, that Jesus laid down his life to make peace between God and sinners. We are reconciled. We who know Jesus as our personal saviour, we are reconciled through what he did on the cross. He made peace. He made peace through the blood of his cross. And when we carry that message of peace to others, when we carry peace, that seems like a strange phrase, but we're going to explain that a little bit more. When we carry that message of peace to others, church, we are peacemakers. We are carrying the message of Christ, his, his message of reconciliation, his message of uniting God with his people. 
The message of him dying on the cross, the message of him shedding his blood, and the message of him raising from the dead. We carry a message of peace in church, therefore we are peacemakers. And it says this in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who publishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. And church, if we were to look to um, the dictionary's definition of publish, there's one that would say to make information available. I love that, that word in there. I love that little phrase, to publish peace, to publish salvation. See, we are carriers of a message. We have a message that the world needs to hear. And that's, that's given to us, not, not that we would keep it to ourselves, but that we would deliver it, that we would share it. We have good news to tell people, church. We have good news to let people know, to make them aware that Christ, that Christ died on the cross, that he rose again, and it was so that, so that God could be reconciled with his people. And I just, when I was reading that verse there, to publish peace, to publish salvation, I just thought that, do you know what? Some of us could really do with lessons on publication. Some of us could do with lessons on publishing salvation, on making information available, on making it known. I know that anybody could look this up I know that anybody could read this. I know that it's available to people in that way. But we have an actual message that we are supposed to share. That we are to make available. That we are to publish. So why don't we publish? So many of us. And I say us as well. Because we are all on this journey together. And, and maybe all of us would stumble in this area. And some of us are evangelists. And some of us are really good at this. But some of us, we, we class ourselves as introverts. And we're maybe not so good at this. But listen, the Bible is clear. It's clear that we are to publish. We are to make known the message of God. We are peacemakers. And so many of us, we're happy to tell people. We're happy to make people aware of every other aspect of our life. Except the thing that is the most important. I even look. I know many of us will have social media. And I look at the social media of a Christian. And... And, and I understand people say like, oh, but I don't want to throw it in people's faces. You know, I don't want to shove it down people's throats. And it's like, well, it's okay to let them know that you come to church. It's all right to tell them like, you know, once in a while, every now and again. Because we're happy to tell people, we're happy to tell people what team we support. We're happy to tell them what hobbies that we do. We're happy to tell them where we go for dinner. We're happy to share a competition that will win us a house or a car or even a voucher for Bob and Burks. You're happy to do all of that. Some of you are like, I did share that competition, never won. But we don't share the thing that is the most important in our lives. Do you see? Do you understand what I'm saying? We together. I, I love that idea of publishing peace, of publishing salvation. And, and I just think even letting people know that you're here. And when you, go, when you go to Tesco this afternoon, some people are like, oh, I shouldn't go to Tesco on a Sunday. Well, some people do. So if you go to Tesco this Sunday afternoon, and they're like, oh, well, what, well, what did you get up to this weekend? Are you doing anything tonight? Just simply telling somebody that you're at church. Tell them where you'll be. Maybe even tell them why you'll be there. But if, if, if that... If that's not you, if you just feel like you're not the person who's up front, can I just encourage you to start somewhere? Yeah. 
Just tell somebody you're going to church today. See what that conversation opens up. Because that verse that we've just read, it says God, God delights in those who reconcile others to himself. To himself. Those who bring the gospel. It actually says they're, they are beautiful. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. The Bible describes those who bring the gospel as beautiful. See, I share the gospel all the time, and that's why I have a face. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and some of you, like you can tell, you don't share it at all. It's a... <laughs> Church, there's no real peace apart from a relationship with God. And I often think that, that that's so sad, but people will ultimately never know peace if they don't have a relationship with God. And what may masquerade as worldly peace, it's just a temporary lull. It's, it's temporary and it ends. It isn't true peace. The Bible describes true peace. In John, it tells us that peace was left with us. Peace was given to us. Not as the world not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. True peace is found only in a restored relationship with God. And in Isaiah 48 and verse 22 it says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked, for those who are apart from him. The only place that we can find true peace is in God, is in Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want other people to experience this. I want other people to know the peace that I have. And I was talking to somebody on the way into church this morning, and, and they were saying that a relative of theirs had passed away. And, but they were saying that that, that that relative knew Christ as their saviour. And what a peace that that brings. And you'll know yourself if you are a believer, what peace it brings to know that when somebody's passed, that they knew Christ as their saviour. Because no matter what suffering they went through in this world, the, the verses that we read, they just promise an abundance of amazing, unimaginable things in heaven. And I just want to have that peace, not only the peace that I'm sharing with other people, but do you know when our loved ones, I'm just sharing this because I actually think it's relevant this morning. When our loved ones, those that we are close to, when they pass on, do we have that peace, that assurance in knowing where they are? And who has them? This stuff is important, church. It's, it's literally life and death. The message that we have and that we share. And only children of God what a privilege that is, by the way. Only children of God can bring the peace of knowing God to others. We have that. What a privilege it is that we have that. And we need to let others know. A person must have a real relationship with God before they can help someone else to know God. Those who witness for Christ, they share their faith with their friends and they serve others in the name of Jesus. And we, church, are the ambassadors for peace. Other people don't know peace like we know it. Those who bring the message of God's peace to the world, church, they are the peacemakers. And Jesus calls them the children of God. If you are a child of God, then you are a peacemaker. And that's because you share the message. The message of God. We'll move on, church, to the next, the next verse then. It's verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, just as a reminder, let's remember that the word blessed here, it was a familiar term for Jesus' um, audience, the people that he was speaking to. 
And the blessedness that Jesus spoke of, it's deep, abiding, unshakable joy. It's rooted in the assurance of God's blessing, both in the present and in the future. This is a big blessing. These are really blessed people that Christ is speaking to. And, and this, as I said, it's deep, it's abiding, it's unshakable. So rather than a fleeting, fading happiness that's dependent on current circumstances, it's a joy that's rooted in the assurance of God's blessing. And life in God's kingdom is one of profound joy. It's a joy, again, that cannot be experienced anywhere else in the world. It is different. And, and it's, it's a profound joy, life in God's kingdom, and an inner well-being that no person and no circumstance can take away. That, that peace, that joy in which we possess, when things come our way, we still have that. We hold on to that, and it cannot be taken from us. We can't be robbed of our joy, and we can't be robbed of our peace. And as a reminder to us all, and for the benefit of those who haven't yet heard the first two parts of this that we covered, it's essential to know that the people labelled as blessed by Jesus, they represent a counterculture. It exhibits values that aren't typically welcomed by people of the world. Or in other words, some of these people that we have talked about here, they just don't seem very blessed. Poor in spirit. So they're poor, how are they blessed? Those who mourn. Sure, sure it says they're mourning, they're miserable. How are they blessed? Those who are persecuted. Sure, they're under affliction. How are they blessed? But again, it's a counter culture. All the Beatitudes demonstrate God's reversal of the world's values. But maybe none quite is on the nose as the eighth Beatitude that we're looking at here. How can being persecuted be blessed? We know that persecution is never pleasant. It involves suffering and often severe pain. But the key is Jesus' qualification that the blessed persecution comes for righteousness' sake. There's a qualification of the persecution there. And some people will suffer for doing evil, but that is punishment. It's not persecution. And some are persecuted for reasons unrelated to righteousness. That's not what we're talking about here. Jesus wasn't offering a general blessing to all the victims of persecution for any cause. No, we're talking to kingdom people here. We're talking to people that are persecuted for righteousness sake. He offered it only to those who were persecuted for actively pursuing the kingdom. For actively pursuing righteousness and because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So we can see that it's talking to a specific group of people. And, and we know, maybe we can think of some people that this applies to. And what an encouragement they are to other believers. What a blessing they are to other believers. And as we continue to study this, I want to make you aware that righteousness means more than just being a good person. It refers to a complete orientation of life toward God and his will. But again, we cannot make ourselves righteous. We are made righteous. And this kind of righteousness, it's visible. People know about it. They see it. And, and Rebecca Hughes will touch on this tonight when we look at salt and light. But it, it's there for people to see. 
When we are persecuted for righteousness sake, it's because we live a life of righteousness that people can see and therefore they persecute us for it. To endure persecution for the sake of righteousness, it requires uncompromising faithfulness to God despite every threat and every pressure. Despite all of the things that come our way, we need to be uncompromising. And both the prophets of the Old Testament and the New, they serve the same cause, the advancement of the kingdom of God, and they serve the same king that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus promised that both both would suffer mistreatment, but both would also receive inexpressible rewards in heaven. He promises both. In this beatitude that we're looking at, Jesus expands the blessed are those formula that we've seen. And he adds, rejoice and be glad. And rather than feeling discouraged, believers who find themselves persecuted for openly living for Christ and his kingdom have good reason to rejoice and be glad for their reward in heaven is great. I read, I read this book once by an, an author and a pastor called Francis Chan and he talked about a season that he had a ministry in the church in China. And for anybody that knows the evangelical church in China, or maybe you don't know, the evangelical church is mostly underground. But, but he described in his book the believers in these churches in China and and, and the main difference that he kind of saw between believers there and maybe first world believers, believers in our Western world context, it was that at those believers prayed for persecution. They actually prayed that they would be martyred. They saw it as significant blessing in God's eyes that they would be persecuted for their belief in Christ and for sharing the message of Christ. There are believers all over the world who just do not seem blessed because of their persecution. And God flips that on his head and says, do you know what? Not only are they blessed, but they're inheriting inexpressible reward in heaven. That's what these people have to look forward to. Why would you ever want to be persecuted? Because of the promise that God has given you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem to make sense. And yet it's so clear. We are promised incredible things. And we are blessed on account of knowing God. Of being believers in Christ. Of being peacemakers. And of sharing Sharing a righteous life. And we'll move on. Then we'll group the last two verses together in just a few minutes that we have left. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, we've talked about the, the primary audience for this sermon on the mount, it was the 12 disciples. It was those who were closest to Christ. He was, training, he was training them for leadership in his kingdom. And these disciples would be the ones to experience the fiercest persecution. They were martyred for sharing Christ's kingdom with others. And that's what Jesus was preparing them for. But in the same way, he prepares us. And listen, we are fortunate. We are blessed that we are not persecuted in the same way that they were. But others will speak falsely against us. And they will accuse us. And Christ has given us an assurance here. What you have ahead of you. What I have for you. It's worth it. And you've no idea how much, but it's so worth it. To address the concern, Jesus concluded his opening beatitudes with this assurance that we have just read. The disciples were about to undergo unprecedented persecution. 
And throughout history, faithful followers of Christ have faced intense persecution. The Lord knew that his kingdom leaders and faithful servants would need to maintain an eternal perspective. This is what I always try and preach. And, and, and this, um, this commentary has just put it in better words than I ever could. To maintain an eternal perspective. They understand that our lives in Christ are so much more than this. And if only we knew... If only we fully understood. And the Beatitudes Church, they provide this hope. They assure us that no matter how much suffering and hardship we endure for Christ's sake, we can be confident that our reward in heaven will be great. It's, it's unfathomable. Honor, blessing in heaven. They're not promised simply as payment for injustices but specifically for those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And these, these believers, they eagerly practice kingdom righteousness. They eagerly serve God's kingdom. They, they advance his message. And these servants are like, as, as has been described, they're like the prophets of the Old Testament who were jeered at. Some died. And some went, went about in complete humiliation. But they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts. Wandering mountains. Hiding in caves. Holes in the ground. It's all described here in the Old Testament. For all who suffer abuses similar to those of the prophets of old. Jesus promises indescribable rewards in heaven. He has not forgotten about those who are persecuted. And neither should we. We should pray for the persecuted church. We should pray for those who are underground. For those who are under affliction simply for proclaiming who they are. I mean imagine we're allowed, we're allowed to go outside and tell people that we're Christians. Imagine simply saying that throws you in prison. Or, or in the time that we speak of here, under the Roman rule, it could have meant whips. It could have meant stones. How blessed are we, how privileged are we that right now, in the season that we are in, we are free to share the message of Christ. Let's use our freedom, church. The Apostle Paul's lifestyle, it, it, it exemplified that of a kingdom servant. He considered... Everything of value in this life as worthless. And it says this in Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 to 11. But whatever I gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Church, can I encourage you, and, and with, these few, um, with these few words I finish. Our struggles are momentary. And as Christians, we should expect the world to be against us. But if we live as devoted servants to God's kingdom, if we partake in Christ's suffering because of being identified with Jesus, our reward in heaven is great. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And the, the apostle Peter affirmed 
Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And finally, church in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Church, brothers and sisters, loved ones, can I tell you, it's worth it. Share the message of Christ. See people know Christ's message. See people come to know Christ as their personal saviour. If there's words spoken against you, if there's things done against you, if there's false accusations made towards you, know this, that Christ promised all of that, but he also promised eternity, eternal glory. He promised heaven and nobody, church, nobody can take that away from you. And when the world comes, against you know that you have peace know that you have joy and know that you are righteous before God and church let that be enough let me pray as the team come to finish Lord we thank you for your word God thank you for the position that we are in thank you for an eternal perspective God thank you for the glory that awaits us Lord thank you for the promises that we are given thank you for the preparation God thank you for your word that instructs us thank you for making us aware of what is ahead and God thank you for your promise of eternity Thank you for a heaven. Thank you, God, that nobody can take it away from us. Thank you for eternal joy, eternal peace. God, help us to be the peacemakers. Help us to be the joy givers. And God, help us to live righteously as kingdom servants. In your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. It's running after me With my life 
surrendered now I give you everything Your goodness is running after It's running us in your goodness Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me Jesus' name. Amen.